the longest three-hour drive I've ever made was to West Point, Virginia to talk to Rachel's parents to get their blessing, hopefully, to ask her to marry me. I was respectful and kind. I did what my granddad always taught me. Yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. I was doing everything I could. I wanted to impress them. And this wasn't the first time I'd met them. I, I wanted them to like me, and I wanted to receive their blessing. I wanted to receive their approval of my aims toward their daughter. I wanted them to think I was responsible, a good man. And they'd always been kind to me. They all had always liked me, always loved me. But that three-hour drive was long. And in that living room, sitting with them, I was sweating bullets. <laughs> and eventually they did give me their blessing. And then they asked me, do you want to just spend the night instead of driving back home? And I was like, no, no, I don't. I want to get back home out of this uncomfortable situation. But I went to the trouble. I went, endured all of that because I wanted their blessing. And when we're talking about getting someone's blessing, in this sense, we mean getting their approval and the benefits that come along with their approval over us. And there are some legitimate ways we do this. There are also some illegitimate ways in which we seek the approval or the blessing of other people. So consider for your own self, whose approval, whose blessing are you seeking to gain and what lengths are you going to in order to get those blessings? Do you seek in a wrong way to get the blessing of your parents? Do you seek in a wrong way to get the blessing of your bosses? In a wrong way, I mean that is where your, your ultimate fulfillment and value as a person is being located in your own heart and mind. Colleagues, friends, neighbors, you want the blessing of somebody else. And of course, we know ultimately what matters is receiving the blessing, not of other people around us, but the blessing and benefits which come from God alone. And how are you going to get the blessing of God? How are you going to get the benefits which come from having His approval? Well, there are a lot of different routes we could try, right? You could, uh, you could give mo more money Give more money to the church, to Christ Church Rollsville, and then maybe you're building up some reserve in heaven, right? No, I'm not a, a prosperity gospel, not a televangelist. You might would get my approval for that, but that wouldn't get you God's approval. What about uh, this idea of like Christian karma? You do something good, and you'll get something good in return. If you, as long as you keep from doing bad stuff that harms other people, no bad stuff will come on you. And you know the phrase, you must be living right. If you had some good fortune or good luck, you must be living right that you avoided that danger. Sometimes we think as long as we're not being bad, being a good neighbor, keeping our nose clean, then God won't do something bad to us. Maybe you think 
if you give enough personal sacrifice to others, then that will gain you the blessings of God. If you give everything that you have for the sake of others, for the sake of your family, for the sake of your neighbors, for the sake of your church uh, family, for the sake of those in need, if you do enough for them, then you'll receive the blessing and benefits of God. Maybe you think it's about deep thinking, thinking deep theological thoughts about God, having the right doctrine and understanding of biblical truth. Or maybe devotional zeal. If I keep my quiet times, things are going bad this week because I haven't had my quiet time. God's not pleased with me this week because I haven't read my Bible like I should have been. I haven't been praying like I should have been. Well, in all of these things, we'll see that if we put our hope in these things for getting the blessing of God, we will be foolish just like the Galatians. Evidently, they had been doing it wrong because Paul says, Oh, you foolish Galatians, you idiots, what are you doing? Who has bewitched you? Who has hypnotized you? Like, uh, like Ka, the snake in Jungle Book, he hypnotizes the boy and his eyes like like the spiral, uh, these spiral colors to them. He's entranced by what he sees. And in similar a similar way, Paul is saying, "You Galatians, you've been entranced by something. Who has done this to you that you would be pulled away from the gospel of free grace into a gospel of doing things to get the blessings of God?" So to bring them back to reality, Paul reminds them. First, of their own experience. How have you received the blessings of God in the first place? And then he reminds them of an example in the Old Testament from Abraham. Someone all the Jews would have looked up to. And he shows, how, he shows by these things, one, what the benefits and blessings of God entail. Not a comprehensive list, but pretty exhaustive. And how to get these blessings of God. And although these things should be a reminder to us believers, we find that we need these reminders over and over and over again. Because the pull in our hearts towards doing in order to be accepted by God comes comes at us continually. So let's consider these two things then. First, what benefits are entailed in the blessings of God. And we look in really verses 1 through 7 to see these benefits. And you could categorize them in two, uh, put them in two different categories. One, you could put them first in the category of the blessings of entrance into God's family, and secondly, the blessings, the ongoing blessings of remaining in God's family, of having his love and his favor throughout your life. So notice these questions that Paul asks. And by these questions, he's calling to their minds the experience that they've had, how they have received the benefits of Christ. Verse 2, let me ask you this. He says, let me ask you only this, and he lists like five questions. (laughs) Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law, or by hearing with faith. How did they receive the Spirit? He he wants to recall to their minds, how did you receive the Spirit of God indwelling you, changing your heart, so that now you loved Jesus Christ, 
and desired the things of God rather than the fleshly things of this earth? By hearing with faith or by works of the law? And as he, he makes clear throughout, it is by hearing with faith. You receive the Holy Spirit, not by earning it by works of the law, but simply by hearing with faith, hearing and believing. Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit? So that's the beginning by the Spirit, hearing with faith, receiving the Spirit. Are you now being perfected by the flesh? This is the idea of being carried out to completion. Your salvation, uh, speaking of sanctification, so your ongoing uh, process by which you are becoming more like Jesus Christ as well as perseverance. How are you going to make it to the finish line as a Christian? Is it by hearing with faith or by works of the law? These are the benefits. Notice these benefits. Receiving the Spirit. Uh, growing in Christ-likeness. Growing in sanctification. Persevering to the very end with faith in Jesus Christ. Did you suffer so many things in vain? Again, speaking of perseverance and endurance. Does he who supply the Spirit to you and work miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? So he's speaking of the benefits of the ongoing supply of the Holy Spirit in your life. Not only did the Spirit change you when you first came to Christ, changing your heart, giving you a heart of flesh, a, a spiritual life, he indwells you now. In the pre present time, He is inside of you working the fruit of Himself out in your life. He works miracles among the Galatians through the Spirit. These are all benefits from God, the blessings of God upon the Galatians. And then also in verse 6, Whereas he starts to transition, we get one more benefit. Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. The rightful claim as children of Abraham are those who are of faith. This is a blessing from God. <clears throat> So you have all of these blessings from God, the ongoing work of the Spirit, the indwelling of the Spirit, perseverance, endurance, uh, spiritual fruit, the spiritual gifts, miracles among you, these blessings of God. And how do you consider these things? As, as I've just gone down this list, what are the things going on in your mind concerning these benefits and blessings of God? You know the saying, one man's trash is another man's treasure. There was a New York trash collector who spent over 30 years picking up trash in, in New York and getting little treasures from all the bags of trash that he collected. And he amassed a collection of over 50,000 items like transistor radios, old antique cameras, dolls, action figures, all kinds of stuff, and really created a museum in New York City. It's open once a year, and it's always sold out. He's found all these little bits of trash and recognized the treasure inside of them. And then in the same way, many could look on all of these benefits of God that I've just listed out 
and think these are worthless. What, what value is there in having the blessing of God if it entails things like the indwelling spirit or perseverance or endurance or faith or the fruit of the spirit? The justification, sanctification. Some would look on these and think that they are worthless compared to the treasures and pleasures that are found in this world. But those who have received the Holy Spirit of God, we yearn for these things. Don't you yearn for the Spirit of God to produce more fruit in you? Don't you yearn to be more like Christ, to be found in Him, to have His righteousness imputed to you, to have His righteousness counted for your account? We rejoice in these things. They cause us to worship God. We exult with John as he says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. Consider these blessings. Are these things something that you want? Something that you desire? Something you strive for? Or... Would you rather have the riches of this world, the pleasures of this world, the things of this world? What is it that is most prized in your thinking and in your heart? What brings you joy more than anything else? What things do you yearn for and desire in life? The things you see as benefits ultimately reveal our hearts. Do we have mainly earthly desires or do we have heavenly desires? Do we desire the benefits of this world and all that it can give us or do we desire the benefits and blessing which comes from God alone? Friends, stir up in your heart to prize the benefits and blessings of God. They will far outlast anything this world can give you. But consider now, in light of seeing these benefits, this blessing from God, how do we receive these benefits? How do we get these benefits? Specifically, there are two options that Paul lays out, hearing with faith or works of the law. And it is absolutely clear from the questions that it is not works of the law. But also clear for, it's also clear from the conclusions Paul makes in verses 6 through 9. Faith. Faith, faith, not by works of the law, not by anything that you could do. We receive the blessing and benefits by faith. Specifically, he says, by hearing with faith. It's not doing then, but hearing with faith. But what does hearing with faith look like? What is it that one hears and believes? And he tells us in verses 6 through 9. First, he points to the example of Abraham. Just as Abraham, verse 6, believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And this is referring to Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, where God makes promises, unilateral promises 
to Abraham and says, I will make you a great nation. I will make your offspring uh, like the stars of the sky. And he even went through uh, a covenant, a, a vow, a process of making a vow to Abraham where God demonstrated he would be faithful to keep his promise. And it says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. So Abraham simply received the promise of God, the promises of God to him, embraced them, and God counted this faith, this hearing with faith to Abraham as righteousness. He justified him by faith. He looked upon him with favor because he simply believed in the promises and the faithfulness of God. And then we have uh, a further reference to Genesis in verses 7 and following. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. Look at verse 8. It is, it's crazy. It's unbelievable. And I don't know if I made complete sense of it, but I'm giving a go at it. Verse 8, he says, And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So here you have Scripture foreseeing something and preaching something to Abraham. What does that mean? This personification of Scripture who is foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and preaching the gospel to Abraham. Well, it's a reference to Genesis. First, see that it's a reference to Genesis 12:3, which refers to God's blessing to the Gentiles or to the nations through Abraham. It says there to Abraham, "You will be a bless through you. All the nations will be blessed." And that's the same term that's being used here for Gentiles. The Gentiles will be blessed through Abraham, the man of faith. And here in verse 8, Paul could have said God, foreseeing that he would justify the Gentiles by faith, uh, he preached the gospel to Abraham. But it says Scripture did that. What are we to make of that? I think... It highlights a couple of things that he says scripture. One, it highlights, I would say, the preaching power of the word itself, the preaching power of the scripture itself. I think it's pointing, uh, this preaching of the gospel to Abraham is not pointing back to the event of God speaking the words to Abraham, but in the text, it's taking us back to the, the literary preaching of the gospel to Abraham when the scripture is preaching it to him. And so it highlights the preaching power of the word, which Hebrews said is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It divides down to the very heart of intentions and motivations. But second, I think it highlights the coherency and consistency of Scripture that Jews and Gentiles both are justified by faith. There's not two separate programs, one in the Old Testament and one in the New Testament. This is the same deal. Paul is reading Genesis 
12.3 and says this is talking about the justification of the Gentiles by faith. There it is in the Old Testament in the very first book of the Bible. Scripture is coherent and consistent from beginning to end that Jew and, just, uh, Jew and Gentile, all people of all nations, will be justified by faith alone and not by works of the law. So he points to Abraham to show this is how you receive the benefits and blessings of God. Hearing with faith. And for the Galatians, he points to something even more specific, not just broadly the promises of God, but look back to verse uh, 1 at the beginning. And I think this is what he's calling the Galatians back to foolish Galatians who has bewitched you it was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified what does that mean that Christ was publicly portrayed before the Galatians did they see him literally on the cross was he there or did Paul paint some picture on the wall in some of the churches for them to look look at and to perceive no, rather, it is the public proclamation of Jesus Christ crucified for sinners, which is put before their eyes by their ears, I guess we would say. Publicly portrayed, the Galatians saw Christ crucified with their ears as they heard the preaching of the gospel with faith. And here I think Paul's point is the public proclamation, the public portrayal of Christ crucified through the preached word of the gospel is enough to convince us that we are justified by grace alone, through faith alone, and not by the works of the law. This is how you receive the benefits and blessings of God, by perceiving through hearing with faith Jesus Christ, who is crucified for your sins. By hearing the gospel of Christ with faith. And this helps us to think, this part about how we receive the benefits of Christ helps us to think about several applications, implications for our own belief and understanding. One is considering how we read the scriptures. Like with Paul's pointing to Scripture, preaching the gospel and foreseeing the justification of the Gentiles by faith. How do we read Scripture? Do we read it as ultimately pointing to Christ, as a testimony of Christ, as a revelation from God about Christ who crucified, was crucified for sinners and justifies those who come to faith? Or do we read it generally as moralistic stories? The Judaizers would have seen Abraham as a man of law. He was the one who was circumcised before the law even came. He was the, a proto-law man. But Paul says, no, he's a, he's a proto-faith man. He is the man of faith. And all who come to faith in Jesus are sons of Abraham. Secondly, it shows us, it reminds us, it, it pulls us back once again to how we receive the benefits and blessing of God. Fix your eyes upon Christ who is crucified for your sins. Come to him with faith. 
Hearing with faith, however, doesn't exclude effort or doing. It simply puts these things in the right order and priority. In fact, in fact, we need nuance, right? James says, prove yourselves to be not only hearers of the word, but doers of the word as well. In other words, the faith that you have, the faith that you have in receiving the gospel inevitably, inevitably produces fruit of works to those around you. Good deeds of love, of standing up for the value of human life in these various circumstances and trials, of loving your neighbor who is in need, of meeting their needs, of sacrificing yourself to do good to others. We should ask ourselves, do I have a faith which is faith only, or do I have a faith which ultimately produces works of good deeds and of love towards others? And James would say, if you have a faith which does nothing, then you need to go back to step one and look again at your faith to see if there's something deficient in your faith, because faith inevitably produces goodness to others and fruit to others. So what does it practically look like then to hear with faith? I think one thing it looks like, very simply, is committing yourself to attend the corporate gathering to hear the preached word of the gospel of Christ who is crucified for sinners. It seems maybe self-serving, right? you got to come hear me preach. But I would say this, if I was a church member and was not uh, a pastor or a preacher, uh, to commit yourself to being in the place where Christ crucified is proclaimed week in and week out. Do not settle for moralistic teachings. Do not settle for simple Bible stories. Settle only for the proclamation of Christ crucified for sinners. Because that is where you're going to be able to hear with faith and receive the benefits that God has for you. Strive, once you come, strive to hear with faith. Hearing a sermon is an active endeavor. It is not passive. It takes effort to hear and to understand and to hear with faith to fix your heart upon the things that are preached, to fix your heart on the things that are proclaimed concerning the truth of God. There are distractions in your own heart. There are distractions around you. And it takes effort to hear with faith. There's a, it just strikes me, there's a book. I haven't read it yet, but it's an old Puritan book. Uh, a small book, and yet and more than you might would imagine on uh, thoughts on how to keep your mind from wandering in public worship. That is something we all need. I find that in myself. When we have guest preachers and I'm sitting hearing the preaching, it takes effort to hear with faith the things that are proclaimed concerning Christ. And then just generally place yourself in the context where, where you will hear the word and promises of God, whether that's in your small groups, whether that's with a group of friends uh, hanging out together, having a cookout, whether it's with 
one-on-one -on -one, -on -one meeting with someone else, whether it's your own personal Bible reading and prayer, place yourself in a context where you can hear with faith so that you might receive the blessings of God. The blessings of God, are they worth it to you to receive, to endeavor, to strive for, to desire? To what extent would you go in order to receive the blessing and favor of God? Giving more money? Trying to be better? Trying to get rid of your bad habits and do good things? Sacrificing yourself for others so that you might have the favor of God? Imagine a man in Philippines who is crawling on his hands and knees down a stone road. Blood begins coming from his knees, his hands. And then, when he gets to his designated place, he is raised up on a cross and crucified. This actually happens. Every Good Friday, volunteers, men, crawl on their hands and knees until they are taken to a place as they reenact the crucifixion of Jesus Christ and are crucified themselves. And they, they do it in an effort to be forgiven of their sins, that they might grow closer to God, that somehow they might be forgiven and have the favor and blessings of God. Would you go that far to hear, well done, good and faithful servant? Come into my kingdom and receive the favor of your master? Well, the bad news is that wouldn't be enough. It wouldn't be enough. Very few of us perhaps would even do that, and yet it would not be enough to gain favor and blessing from God. The glory of the gospel is that Jesus alone did what was enough for you to receive the blessing in favor of God. He did that. God in human flesh did that for you, brothers and sisters. He gave himself. He sacrificed himself. He loved those who were unlovable so that we might have the favor and blessing of God. And because he has done it, it is finished. How do you receive the benefit and blessing of God, you embrace the finished work of Christ. Amen. You rest in His sacrifice for you, and you simply receive it like I'm receiving the sun, the warmth of the sun on my body right now. You just take it in, you rejoice in it, you embrace it, you worship God because it's free grace to you. You hear with faith, you realize you have nothing to add to what has already been done for you. Brothers and, uh, brothers and sisters, simply receive Christ crucified for you. Let's pray together.
Father, we thank you for your amazing grace. And we ask that you would just lavish it upon us more. We come to you with open hands, unable to give you anything of worth or value, even if we were to sacrifice our very lives. And we pray that you would help us to reject any attempt at gaining your favor, reject any attempt at moralism, reject any attempt at sacrificing that we might gain your favor, recognizing it is done by Christ alone and simply receiving what you have done for us. Help us to encourage one another in these things. Help us to remain steadfast in these things and produce fruit in us of love and good deeds because of your grace to us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now let's stand together and receive the benediction from God's Word. Now may the grace of Christ our Savior and the love of God our Father and the fellowship of the Spirit be with you all. Amen.